Welcome to Movable Dough. This is Steve Danielson. Join me each week as we explore the minds of living composers. We talk about their lives, their musical journeys, and of course, their music. For a complete archive of episodes, as well as access to the shorter segments called Movable Snippets, visit my website, sdcompose.com slash movabledoe. Hey, this is Steve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Movable Dough. My guest today is Hillary Weeks. Hillary is an American Christian musician. She earned a BA in music from Brigham Young University and has gone on to record and release many albums of her music. Her latest works have all charted on various Billboard magazine charts. Hillary's music has been described as a worship and gospel music version of Christian country and Christian pop. She was described by Forbes as one of the 40 women to watch over 40. Hillary Weeks, welcome to Movable Dough. Thank you. I just have one correction from the introduction, and it's kind of a sad one. I didn't end up graduating from BYU. (laughs) I took like every music class. I have one class left to take, which is conducting, like conducting. (laughs) And I have about 13 credits, and we moved. And my husband took a job in Colorado before I finished. And then I started my family and started my career and I never had time to go back and finish. Oh, wow. Well, you've, you've done great despite missing that one class. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, I have to say, I'm really excited to talk to you today. I've been a fan of your music since about 1993 when I heard your song, He Hears Me on the cassette tape of music from, especially for youth program through the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So we're going to be talking about that song later on today. So for right now, let's go way back. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. That is not what I was expecting. What was <laughs> what was life like in Anchorage, Alaska? <laughs> oh, I loved growing up there, although it is a quite a different climate. And so I'm not sure that I would want to go back and live there. But growing up there, I didn't know anything different. I didn't know that it doesn't get dark for everybody all winter long. <laughs> And that it doesn't stay light all summer long for everybody. And so I didn't, I loved growing up there. But now that I know that there's a little bit more of a middle ground in the lower 48, that's what we call them. I kind of prefer a little bit more of a balance, but it was a great place to live. Sure. So when did you start playing piano? Because I assume that was your first instrument, correct? And only, sadly. (laughs) Um, you're like, wow, you didn't graduate and you only play one instrument. (laughs) Let's end this interview quick. Um, I remember watching my older brothers take piano lessons because the piano teacher came to our house Uh and I loved it and I was intrigued by it. So when I was about eight years old, I asked my mom if I could take piano lessons, which who does that? Like most kids, when their mom gets that look in their eye, like you're going to need to take a you know, instrument, Uh they mostly run or try not to make eye contact. (laughs) But I asked her if I could take piano. I just loved it. And I loved it from the beginning. She never had to ask me to practice or anything like that. I just loved playing. Were you making up songs and sort of composing from the very beginning? No, not until I was about 14 years old. That's when I wrote my first song. Okay. What, what led to that? What, what made the difference at 14? I had a friend send me a poem that she had written about friends. And I thought, well, maybe I could write music to this. So I gave it a shot and I really liked it. And I just kept dabbling from then on. And 
I wrote a lot of really bad songs <laughs> that my family still kind of teases me about some of them, but you got to start somewhere. And then all the, the learning, the theory, the things like that, that I studied, those really helped. And then of course, a lot of listening to songs that I loved and, and then just continuing to write. Did you ever pull that first song out and record it and go somewhere with it or I, I can't even remember what it sounded like I don't have the poem anymore and back then we didn't have cell phones that you could just pull out yourself right. and make a quick recording I mean you had to go find yourself an empty cassette tape and <laughs> make sure there were batteries in the cassette tape player you know it's like way more complicated it just wasn't as much of a thing back when I was 14 so no I didn't record it and I I don't even have it anymore yeah, I get that. You should hear my early multi-tracks when I tried to sing with myself along with the tape. They don't sound very good. <laughs> so did you always see yourself becoming a songwriter or did you have other goals when you were a little girl? Well, while I am a goal-oriented person, I don't know that I had big hopes or dreams. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily dream of becoming a songwriter, but I always loved music. And so that mm -hmm. drove me forward. In it, and that's why I decided to study it at BYU. But my, I guess my biggest dream was to raise a family and to be a mom. I, I wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to raise kids and have a family. And I, I guess I was a little shocked that I had the opportunity to have this mini side career doing music. Yeah. So when do you think that transition was between songwriting is something I do for fun to this, this something I want to do as a career? Where was that transition? Well, it's kind of funny because at BYU, they didn't, at the time, they didn't have music, media music. They didn't have, you know, a songwriting path you could take. You right. took music composition. And I, I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't love writing atonal music. I kind of compared it to the things that people put on a fashion runway with like, you make it out of tinfoil and feathers and it's stuff you would never wear on right. the runway. And that's how the music felt when I was composing in my classes. I was, we were just required to do mostly atonal stuff and it didn't really connect with me. I didn't want to listen to that kind of music and I didn't want to write that kind of music. I would always ask my professors, if I could just write a song, I'll do the other stuff too, but could I just write a song? And, you know, they needed to stay the course. And, and so they, I never could. I took one songwriting class at BYU that wasn't even part of the music department. It was part of the MDT. Oh, wow. Music dance theater yeah. department. And um, ironically, I got a C in that class. <laughs> are, are you ready to cancel the podcast? No, <laughs> no I love it. I the love more it. you find out about me, the worse it's getting. <laughs> And, but I loved it. That's when I wrote, he hears me. And then I published, I got, he hears me published on a, an EFY, especially for youth album. And that was my first experience publishing a song. In fact, I think I got paid like $625 and for a poor starving newlywed college student, that was a lot of money. So I was like, okay, honey, you can quit your job. I'm just going to be writing songs. I'll support us. That's when I got the bug. But then I quickly realized like for me, you know, my path wasn't going to be multimillionaire or anything like that. But the reward was, I love what I write about. 
I love writing songs that are faith-based, gospel-centered, lead people to God and help them feel his love. So I've been paid in air quotes um, in other ways. And not that it doesn't, not that music hasn't um, added to our income over the years, but it's never for me been something that I could uh, like I wouldn't have been able to support a family or anything like that on it. That's a total side note. Sorry. Um, you asked a question and I went into a rabbit hole, but no problem. No problem at all. So speaking of your family, was your, has your family always been supportive of this, uh, of this career of songwriting? Yeah, 100%. My husband is, um, he owns a company that does accounting and, and chief financial officer work for, lots of different companies so he's not necessarily a musical person but he's always supported my interests and my goals and not only that but this like this accountant minded person has taken it upon himself to learn how to run sound systems so that I can go do concerts and he's always been supportive and the kids are supportive because over the years I've done a ton of traveling and I've been away from home a lot and they were always on board and willing to give up mom when they needed to. How many kids do you have? We have four daughters and our oldest daughter is 28 and she's about to have our first grandbaby. I thought I saw that on, on social media. Congratulations. Thank you. And then our, we have a daughter who's, oh, let's see, 23 and she's married and a daughter who's 20 and she's married. And then our youngest daughter, who's almost 18, is going to be a senior this year in high school. Fabulous. So thinking back on your on your learning, your education, do you have any teachers that you remember being particularly influential on the direction of your musical life? Yeah, my theory teacher, and I'm going to blank on his name, but he was getting towards retirement years. And I think maybe his years of experience just allowed him to know how to have fun in the classroom. So he was teaching us theory, but we were having a blast and it was really fun. And plus I'm drawn to theory. I love, I love the theory behind music and why it works. And then there was another professor, his name is Stephen Jones. He might be the Dean now of the music department at BYU. He was the one of the ones that I would always beg, please let me write a song. But he was always so gentle and nice about saying no. But, um, I really, I really appreciated what I learned from him. So now years later, you've, you've now given birth, as you say, to 14 CDs, which, <laughs> yes. which is incredible. So I know as a composer, we have really good days of writing and other days that aren't as good. So when you're working on a new project and you have one of those not so good days, what do you do to get out of the funk? Well, when I'm in the middle of writing for a CD, I spend a half an hour a day. That's my goal. 30 minutes of writing. I know that doesn't sound like very much, but most of the time when I was writing albums, I was also raising a family. So I didn't mm -hmm. have big chunks of time. And I figured if I could devote at least 30 minutes, then God could make something out of that, which he did every time. And sometimes in those 30 minutes, I wouldn't have much come. I would get stumped and just not be very prolific. And sometimes that half an hour would turn into an hour and the ideas would flow. But that time restraint of half an hour was also a reset. 
So I, when I didn't have ideas, it was like, okay, well, time's up anyway. So I'll just go on to something else in my day and I'll try again tomorrow. And that always seemed to work. And another helpful thing when I'm writing is I, especially when I first start writing a song, the number one key for me in writing a song successfully is to know the big picture. If I know the title and I know where I want the song to go, the song seems to really fall into place quickly. But if I'm wishy-washy about what I want to say, I'm not sure what the title is going to be. I don't know what the first or second verse should say. I spend a lot of time um, meandering around my notebook, trying to figure out what to say. But when I open my notebook to write a new song and I start, I tend to just write and write and write and write and write, not a song, just words, just ideas, just anything that pops into my mind. I just write it all out. And somehow it seems like a title will pop up out of it or a line will, will stand out to me and it springboards the rest of the song for me. So I just allow myself to brainstorm on paper at anything that comes to mind. And then I move forward from there. Hmm. Well, on the flip side of the coin, do you have any memorable days of writing or perhaps a memorable performance opportunity that you still think about frequently? Yeah. Um, let me think back to when this was probably in 2015. I, I was writing for a, an album and it was, I remember it was Labor Day weekend, right, right about the same time as we're chatting now. Um, and it was Sunday night, about 10 o'clock at night, I was headed to bed, but I stopped by the piano just on my way upstairs. And I thought, I'll just dink around on the piano for a minute. And a song, a musical idea came. And I thought, okay, I need to remember this so that in the next few days, I can try to write this song but I knew I wasn't going to do it the next day because it was Labor Day it was a holiday I'm going to play you know I'm going to have fun <laughs> on Labor Day I went to bed and at six in the morning that musical idea popped into my head and I knew I needed to get up and write the song but it was 6 a.m on a holiday nobody wants to wake up you want to sleep in and I got up and I went down to my piano and I knew exactly what the song was supposed to be about. I was thinking of my daughters and I wanted to write advice to them. So mm. really the song is called Love Your Life. And it's really a series of bits and pieces of advice to my daughters that I think that would help them love their life. And by 11 o'clock in the morning, I was still in my pajamas, but I had written the whole song. And that rarely happens to me. It usually takes me days, weeks, even months to finish a song. So that one came lickety split. And I was grateful to have the time that day to just be able to spend on writing it. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So tell me about your love of coconut. Oh, I, do, I love <laughs> coconut. I do anything, anything with a coconut flavor. Some people like coconut flavor, but not coconut chunks or flakes. I love it all. I love Did, everything with coconut. You ever just open up a coconut and just eat it oh, out of the husk. I have, but I'm also a fan of sugar and coconut <laughs> just by itself, just raw. Is it as sweet as, you know, the, the sugared up stuff? So. <laughs> well, I'm definitely a fan of sugar as well, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so on your website bio page, 
You said that if you ever got the chance to interview someone, you would ask them what three words they would use to describe themselves. So I'm going to turn the tables on you and ask you that That's question. Fine. What sure. are three words that you would use to describe yourself? Okay. Can I give you four? Sure. Uh, we, I was talking about this with my husband uh, last Christmas. So just eight months ago or so. And I sometimes go through phases where I try to I, don't, I figure out who I am. I, I revisit what my purpose is, especially as things rotate in my life, as things change, circumstances change, and I need to rediscover what my purpose is. And I was in one of those phases. So we were talking about it. And as we talked about what I love, what I do, who I am, these four words really stood out to me. One of them is disciple. And in, in referring to in saying disciple, I'm referring to disciple of Jesus Christ. I am, I'm a follower. I'm a believer. My heart will always belong to the savior. Um, I'm a joy seeker. I love having fun. I love being on vacation. I love being spontaneous and going to a movie that I wasn't planning on or just playing a game or just doing, I just love having fun. So I'm a joy seeker. Um, I'm a creator, of course, because of music. And I also love to do, I'm not a crafty person, but there are a few things like nodding and macrame to make wall hangings. I love being creative with that or with music or with food, trying new recipes. And then lastly, I would say I'm a persuader. My music and my messages when I go speak somewhere they are meant to help persuade people to come unto Christ, to feel God's love, to feel loved for themselves, to love life. And so those would be my four words. That is fabulous. That was a, a well-prepared answer for a question that I didn't tell you I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got one more question for you before we take a break today. And it's a question I'm asking all my guests this season. So who is another living composer that you think we should all know about? Okay, right now I'm super into Ben Rector. Ben Rector. He's so good. I love his style. I love his messages. Um, I saw him in concert in May and it was fantastic. I've also performed with him. I didn't get much time to talk with him because it was at a huge big event, uh -huh. but I did get to meet him. He was as delightful as you would hope he would be. I follow him on social media and I would say the same thing about his social media. His posts are uplifting. They're funny. He's real. He has a family. His music's fabulous. So I'm a big Ben Rector fan. All right. Great endorsement there. Well, after a quick break, we are going to listen to some of Hillary's compositions. Welcome back. I'm talking today with Hillary Weeks. We're going to talk first today about He Hears Me. So I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that this was the first song I knew from you. And this was fairly early in your songwriting career as well, correct? Yes. And so was this your first sort of hit, so to say? <laughs> it was the first kind of decent song that I ever wrote, probably. <laughs> if you could go so far to say hit, I don't know. But it is the one that I had published first. It's the one that gave people the first exposure to me and my style of writing. Yeah, well, I've... I definitely still remember listening to it back as a teenager. So what inspired this piece? Well, I was in that songwriting class at BYU and we just had an assignment to write a song. So I, I 
wrote that song. It's about prayer. It's about how Heavenly Father hears us. And I remember finishing the song. I was in my apartment. It was in the afternoon. I lived on the third floor of our apartment complex and I rented a piano. That poor piano moving company had to bring that piano three flights up. And there I was at the piano. I finished it and I wanted to show somebody. So I ran on campus, got my roommate who was at the library studying and brought her back and made her listen to it. And then later, uh, several years later, or I wouldn't say several, two or three years later, um, that's when EFY opened their songwriting, their album up to other writers. Uh-huh. And I submitted that song and it was accepted. And of course I was thrilled. And that's kind of what launched my music career. Yeah, that's fabulous. You know, I, I went to EFY three years and that album is still my favorite. And that's my favorite song on that album. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to listen to He Hears Me. Soul, 
Our next piece today is beautiful heartbreak. So when we think about heartbreak, we think often of ending relationships, and it's not often a beautiful thing. So what is beautiful heartbreak about? What makes it beautiful? That is the exact question I asked when the co-writer brought me the name of that song. I was like, what on earth? Are you, what is that supposed to mean? Beautiful heartbreak. <laughs> and so I was, it was Tyler Castleton, who is I also, love his music as well. <laughs> yeah. He's also on that first CD from EFY that you love. Yeah. He has a song on there. We met for the first time when we were recording those and then have always been um, friends and um, music. Oh, I can't think of the word, but our music careers have crossed paths many, 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 many times. And he's produced a lot of my CDs. But anyway, um, we were co-writing and he was going through a difficult time in life. And he had been thinking about what it's like to go through hard things. And can those hard things eventually become a good thing, a blessing, something that's beautiful, maybe even something that's sacred. And we're actually glad that we went through it. And so when he explained that, that was again, one of those songs just that just seemed to write itself because I think that message is super important for people to hear. We have to know that the challenges we go through have some point, they have some meaning to them. Otherwise, why even endure it all? And so the message of that song is there is value. And if we will look for the learning and for the blessings that come from the challenging things that we experience and go through, they can become beautiful to us. I would even say there are some that we wouldn't trade. We would go through it again, the hard for the good that we gained. Yeah. You know, when I, when I saw the title, beautiful heartbreak, the first thing I thought of was that God asks us to come to him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit uh, as sort of our sacrifice to him and having that broken heart that we bring to God is sort of a very beautiful, tender thing as well. Oh, I love that angle on it. That's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to listen now to Beautiful Heartbreak. I had it all mapped out in front of me. Knew just where I wanted to go. But life decided to change my plans And I found a mountain in the middle of my road I knew there was no way to move it So I searched for a way around Broken hearted I started climbing 
the job I found Every fear, every doubt, all the pain I went through Was the price that I paid to see this view And now that I'm here, I would never trade The grace that I feel and the faith that I find Through the bittersweet tears and the sleepless nights All right, our third piece today, at the same time. You describe this piece as someone who's feeling opposing emotions simultaneously, peace during pain, comfort and tragedy. Was there something happening in your own life when you wrote this? Well, actually, I had been on social media and I saw a post from a friend. Her name is Lisa Valentine Clark. Mm. And she had posted about a friend of theirs who passed away. And that's what she was writing about, how amazing it was to her that you could feel peace in the middle of pain and they could be going through this tragedy and they would still be feeling comforted these contrasting emotions and I was like that's that's such a good concept I should write a song about that and not long after that like a week or two later we had a friend pass away in a car accident 
And I sang at his funeral and all of his children spoke at his funeral. And I watched those emotions, the happiness, the happy and sad, the peace and the pain play out at that funeral right in front of my eyes. They wept and they laughed. They, they shared amazing stories from his life and they talked about how much they were gonna miss him. And I came home and wrote at the same time. And I, again, I just think it's a valuable message to know that no matter what we're going through, the savior is there, he's by us, he's, he's watching over, he's helping us get through it and he will send um, as much um, compensation and comfort and peace as he possibly can as we get through it. Uh, I feel like you've given me the songs in order. You know, he hears me. You have this beautiful heartbreak. And at the same time, everything, everything is happening at the same time. And he's always yeah, there. I love great it. Great observation. I love it. All right. Well, we're going to listen now to at the same time.
I feel trust and hope even though my heart is aching When I can taste the bitter and the sweet Walking where the valley and the mountain meet And there's something so divine When pain and grace collide In the same And our last piece today, If I Only Had Today. So this song asked the question, if you knew that today was your last day on earth, how would you spend it? So I'd like you to take us a little bit more into your process. Talk through the genesis of a song like this. Do you have the topic in mind that you build off of or a title or how do you how do you work? That's, um, that's a great question. And this one was a very unique setting <laughs> to write this song. I had been performing in Texas and it was a Saturday night and I was flying home and I had the good fortune of on the airplane, having the row all to myself. And so I, I got to be a little bit introspective. I opened the window shade as we took off. It was kind of a sunset um, time of night. And um, I pulled out my writing notebook and since nobody was going to be, you know, there's no passenger next to me looking over to see what I'm writing. I felt this freedom just to write about anything I wanted. And that, as I thought about flying home and as I thought about my family and my husband and my children and just life in general, that was the concept that came to my mind was if I only had today. And so I wrote as many of the lyrics as I could. And as best as I could, writing the music in my head. And then when I got home, I, I think I didn't get home till close to midnight. And I went to the piano just really quietly to, to make sure that what was in my head got down onto paper. And then I was able to pick up the song later and, and write. But it was interesting. After that song was recorded, I was again on an airplane traveling. I was going to St. Louis to perform. And I was sitting next to a man that just this, this really proper, um, he was a, P a pediatric surgeon mm -hmm. and we probably didn't have a lot in common. He's probably gazillions times smarter than I am. And, you know, I'm kind of into music and he's a more of an intellectual and he really didn't have any interest in talking to me. I tried a couple of times just to start up a conversation, but then he asked me, you know, why I was going to St. Louis. And I said to perform, I'm a singer songwriter. And would you be interested in hearing one of the songs that I wrote? I actually wrote a song on an airplane. Would you like to hear it? And I, he's like, yeah, I'd be pleased to. So he, I pulled out my, um, my phone and my headphones and I played that song for him and he put on the headphones and he listened the whole time. And then he handed me back my iPhone and my AirPods. And then he wanted to talk 
the whole rest of the flight. He wanted to show me pictures of his family, tell me about his wife, tell me about his kids. And it was just fascinating how having that song opened up common ground about love of family and love of life and, and cherishing every day that we have. It was a really cool experience. That is really cool. All right. Well, we are now going to listen to If I Only Had Today. thousand full moons Sometimes it feels like I've been here forever And sometimes it all feels brand new I could never count the heartbeats From the day I was born until now But not a single one goes unnoticed by him who breathes life in me somehow But if there were no more tomorrows If I knew that I could not stay I know how I'd spend every minute If I only had
All right. Well, Hillary, what are you working on now that you can tell us about? I'm working on a book. A book? A book, yes. What's it about? It's called Discovering Purpose. And it it's a I alluded to a little bit earlier in our conversation about how I go through times in my life where I need to discover what I need to be working on or focused on or what my purpose is during that time of life. And that's what the book is about, is helping people discover their purpose for that season of life that they're in. And it, the artwork, it's beautiful artwork done by my daughter. And it's kind of a workbook style. The chapters aren't particularly long because I don't want it to be an overwhelming process for the reader, but it walks the reader through exercises and things to think about that will help them discover their purpose. Very cool. Yeah. And I also wrote a song to go with the book. I don't know how you really pair a song with a book, but I'll figure it out. But I'm going to be in the studio um, in the next couple of weeks recording the song. And that, that was really fun to write. Excellent. When, when do you think the book is going to be available? We're hoping for November. Okay. So end of this year. Excellent. Well, I'll look for it on the shelves. <laughs> uh, and if my listeners want to learn more about you, where are you located online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. My Instagram is Hillary Weeks Music and Facebook is Hillary Weeks. And then HillaryWeeks.com is my website. And of course, YouTube, you can find me on my YouTube channel. And I, um, I regularly post songs, both my legacy songs and new songs on that YouTube channel. All right. Well, hey, listeners out there, I would love to hear from you and your thoughts about this show. Uh, you can reach out to me in several different ways. You can, of course, use the social media platforms that I've plugged on the show before. Search for Removable Dough or Removable Dough Podcast. You'll find me out there. But you can also leave me a voice message by going to anchor.fm slash movable dough and clicking where it says message. If your message is particularly relevant, insightful, or even just funny, I might include it on a future episode. I want to hear from you, so please visit anchor.fm slash movable dough today. Well, Hillary Weeks, it has been so much fun to talk to you today. I wish I had about three more hours to talk to you, but I do appreciate you coming on Movable Dough. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. My guest today was composer and songwriter Hillary Weeks. If you have a recommendation for a future guest or an idea for the show, please email me at movabledough at gmail.com. This is Steve Danielson. Keep the music moving.